It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are seconds away from hearing the daily Locked On podcast you love, but I'd like to tell you about another podcast I think you'll like. Rejecting the Screen, hosted by NBA experts Noah Kozlov and Adam Stanko, features provocative interviews with NBA stars and unique perspectives from around the game. Subscribe to Rejecting the Screen wherever you get your podcasts. Greetings, Oops Heads. Welcome to Locked On Warriors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's Tuesday, May 29th. I'm your host, Aliko Carter. Well, the Dubs did it. They did it in Game 7, made it back to the finals for a fourth straight year. You all know that. Let's get right into it. As Game 7s tend to be, this one was ugly. The Warriors couldn't hold on to the ball in the first half, and the Rockets couldn't hit the broadside of a barn in the second Seriously, some very open shots that they just clunked. I've seen on, you know, Facebook, Twitter, people talking about it's rigged. People are talking about if they had Chris Paul. I'm just like, y'all, slow down. I mean, if it's rigged, it's been rigged for a long time. And I'm not saying it is because I don't believe it is. I believe that refereeing is a very, very tough thing to do. I think James Harden was definitely hit on one of those three, a couple of those three pointers that he went up for. But you got to make shots. He didn't make shots. And if you look at the free throws, which I will after this uh, extended introduction, you'd see that the disparity isn't that crazy. Uh, But also, as far as not having Chris Paul, I don't think that's an argument that the Warriors would ever make. But you had people post-game, P.J. Tucker, uh, James Harden, saying if Chris Paul had been there, it would have been a different story. Whatever happened to the next man up mentality? Whatever happened to we're the team that we're going to be and you're just going to have to face us as we are? And if we win, we win. And if we lose, we lose. That's the mentality that the Warriors have always had. If Stephen Curry wasn't good to go and they lost in the second round or lost in the conference finals, you wouldn't hear them saying, oh, if we only had Steph, we would have won. Or if we had only had Steph, we would have had a chance. They didn't miss. They didn't make shots. They didn't make shots in the second half and they were missing open shots. And it's just it's very simple. If you don't make shots, you're not going to win. You can find this podcast on iTunes, iOS, Google Play, and Spotify, as well as LockedOnWarriors.com and LockedOnSports.com. You can also find us on Facebook at LockedOnDubs and LockedOnNBANet. You can get in touch with me via Twitter at Kojitare, K-O-G-I-T-A-R-E, and find all my credentials on LinkedIn, A-L-I-K-O Carter. You can check out my written work at Forbes.com. Today, we're going to do two segments on the Warriors and one on LeBron and potentially what we can expect from this finals. But we'll get into that more tomorrow and the next day. Today, it's really about these Game 7s. So, as I promised, we're going to take a look at the free throws. Uh, There was no disparity. If there was, it was in favor of of the Houston Rockets, who shot 13 of 22. That's 59%. But to be fair, the Warriors shot 7 of 14. So free throws, definitely a factor, though also not really a factor. If the 
Rockets make all of their free throws and nothing else changes, they still lose this game. But it's much closer. Now, if we go into the third quarter where the Warriors outscored the Rockets by 18 points, the Rockets went 3 of 4 from the three the, from the free throw line in that quarter, but 7 of 26 from the field, which is 27%, they made 0 of 14 attempts from 3. A lot of that was the Warriors' defense running people off the line, but a lot of those shots were open and they just couldn't make them. And then they were out-rebounded 17-9 in the quarter. The Warriors dangerously out-rebounded in the first half, but turned it around, starting with Stephen Curry, who had six rebounds in the quarter. Draymond had six in the quarter as well, two offensive, three offensive rebounds for Kevon Looney, creating second shot opportunities. They shot 12 of 22 from the field and seven of 12 from three, including four from Stephen Curry on five attempts. It was the Curry and Durant show. And finally, we saw Stephen Curry truly blossom. We saw his three-point shot be the weapon that we wanted it to be, not just a weapon of distraction, but an actual weapon. We saw it to a certain extent in Game 6, but really he came alive in Game 7. And they definitely needed him to play all 44 and a half minutes that he played, leading the team. He played all 12 minutes of the first quarter for the first time in a long time. If I'm not mistaken, he was 10 of 22, 7 of 15 from 3. 10 assists and just missed the triple-double by one rebound. 27 big points for Stephen Curry, including 14 in that third quarter. He was a plus 13 to lead everyone except Jordan Bell. Jordan Bell with great minutes and a plus 17 on the night. Kevin Durant, of course, led the team in scoring 34 points on 5 of 11 from 3. Shooting 52% from the field overall. Missed two free throws in a row and another one in the first half. So he went 7 of 10 from 3. And Draymond, can we really, like, Draymond, my goodness, another stellar game, 13 rebounds, but five turnovers, we want to limit those, that would be nice. Uh, the turnovers really killed the Warriors in the first half, ended up with only 16, it felt like this could have been one of those games where they turned the ball over 18 to 20 times, it just felt like that's what they wanted to do, they didn't want to keep the ball in their hands in the first half. Draymond did not shoot the ball particularly well, 5 of 13, including missing all five of his three-pointers, but they needed everything that he brought, because Klay Thompson got into foul trouble very early, 3 fouls in the first three minutes of the game and they were all legit fouls he was not happy with the call on James Harden's three-pointer his third foul call uh, but he got into James's airspace he gave him the body bump and then James landed on Clay's feet Clay's feet were under James landing position that's a foul and I don't know what he was thinking, and there were a few other times, I will say, and I have said that James Harden was fouled on three-pointers. Uh, the crew on the call was not, you know, not happy. Chris Webber and Reggie Miller pointed out that he was fouled, but as I've said, officiating is a really tough thing to do, and it's not like KD and Steph didn't argue a few calls. It's not like Draymond doesn't argue a few calls every single game, but a couple of foul calls missed is not enough to swing a game. If we blame the refs for the outcome of this game, Houston fans, 
then what's the point of watching in the first place? If it's all rigged, why are we investing our time in it? The simple fact of the matter is that the Rockets shot 0 of 14 from three. They live and die by the three-point shot, and they died a horrible, horrible death. Then they made one of seven from three in the fourth quarter, shooting nine free throws in the fourth. They changed their whole scheme. They shot fewer three-pointers. They went to the line, and they shot 60%, but they only shot the ball 15 times. They turned it over five times in the fourth quarter and only made four of their nine free throw attempts. I'm not sure how they only got up 15 shots. I think it's a combination of them turning the ball over and the possessions becoming slower as the game neared its finale. Speaking of, this is the finale of the first segment and we'll be back. Is there anything more craveable than the smell of McDonald's fries? If someone's hiding an order of fries, they're never hiding it well. It takes one whiff to trigger a fry craving that will only be satisfied the McDonald's way. So stand up if you would like to taste the smell of a McDonald's fry right now. Did you just stand? Because if you did, then you earned yourself a trip to the McDonald's drive through for your own steamy carton of crispy golden goodness. Support for this podcast comes from the IT experts at CDW, people who get it. At CDW, we get the future workplace works differently. Today's my first day back. Almost forgot what floor we were on. Understandable. But with modern health and safety technology orchestrated by CDW, the future can work better. Technology like thermal screening and occupancy tracking enables employees to walk confidently into the office. Wait, this isn't my floor. Is this even my building? Even if it's been a while. IT orchestration by CDW. People who get it. Find out more at cdw.com slash futureofwork. We're back. We're looking at some stats because I love stats. And they tell you a lot about the game. They don't tell you everything about the game, but they tell you a lot. The Warriors, 23 fast break points and 18 points off turnovers. Surprisingly, the Dubs were outscored in the paint 56 to 28. That's doubling up. If you get outscored 56 to 28, you better be shooting a lot of three-pointers. You better be making your mid-range shots, which the Warriors love mid-range shots. Marv Albert said it. The Warriors shoot more mid-range shots than you'd expect, and they make more than, well, they don't make more than you'd expect. They make a lot, which you would expect. Uh, But they shoot a ton of them. They kind of took a page out of the Houston Rockets playbook, shooting nearly 43-pointers, going 16 of 39. That's a nice round 41%. And that's with Draymond Green going 0 of 5. I don't necessarily like Kevin Durant shooting 11 three-pointers, but he made five. That's 45.5%. Steph Curry, 7 of 15. That's 46.7%. Klay Thompson, in short minutes, only 31 minutes because of the foul trouble, 42 0.9% from three. The Warriors were on and the Rockets weren't, but that's kind of what happens also when you have three of the best shooters to ever play the game on your team. They're going to be on more often than not. They're the best shooters, whereas Houston Rockets, the Houston Rockets have good shooters. They have some above average shooters. Trevor Ariza, 0 of 9. Not sure where the bagel came from there, but P.J. Tucker, 2 of 5. 2 of 12 for Eric Gordon, 2 of 13 for James Harden, 1 of 4 for Gerald Green, and Joe Johnson missed his only three-point attempt. They tried to get Ryan Anderson going. Ryan Anderson didn't attempt a shot in eight minutes. 
it was really all on James Harden, who took 29 shots, went to the line eight times, shot 41% and 15% from three, had six rebounds, six assists and five turnovers to go along with four steals and a block. Did a pretty good job of filling up the stat sheet, but 12 of 29, not going to cut it against the Warriors when they're on like they were on in Game 7. And might have settled for a bunch of those three-pointers. A bunch of them were contested, contested well. Like I said, he did get fouled on a couple of them with no call. But that doesn't explain away the 2 of 13. Certainly doesn't explain away Eric Gordon's 9 of 22 night, 2 of 12. Clint Capella played 37 minutes in this game. That's got to be his highest output of the Western Conference Finals. Shot 90%, but only made two of six free throws. The Warriors went to the Hacka Capella on a couple of occasions. He did have nine rebounds, including four offensive. The Warriors out-rebounded in this game by five, but did allow 17 offensive rebounds to the Rockets, to their only 11. But second chance points were not... They didn't destroy the Warriors. Eight second chance points for the Warriors, 14 for Houston. Not a huge disparity there. I want to talk about Jordan Bell really quickly. There were a couple of times he went up for a putback dunk and got rejected by the rim. I'm wondering if his ankles are 100% healthy because in December or January, I think he makes those dunks. Uh, But we'll take whatever we can get from Jordan Bell. He played so well in this game, in game six as well. They say, you know, if they're playing, they're healthy, they're 100%. I don't think he's 100%, uh, but I do think that when he's out there on the court, good things happen. It really was a tale of two halves for the Warriors and the Rockets. The Warriors outplayed heavily by the Rockets in the first half. The Rockets went cold in the second half and couldn't muster anything after the Warriors went up 64-63, never gave the lead back. And that's why it's so hard for me to deal with this kind of anti-refs, anti-warriors bias. I mean, the Rockets missed 27 three-pointers in a row. I don't think in four years that we've seen this team, the Warriors, go to the finals that they've ever missed 27 three-pointers in a row. And ESPN has the odds on this. One in 72,000 that they would miss 27 free throws in a row. What does that say about this? Sorry, three-pointers. What does that say about this Rockets team? You know, I'm not going to speculate as to their mental fortitude or anything like that because, you know, I think that that's a dangerous line that people like Stephen A. Smith like to like to toe. But I do think that they didn't show up in this moment, that they relied too much on the three-pointer. I know it's their bread and butter. I think that they relied too much on it in the third quarter. And James Harden settled. And Zach Lowe has talked about this. James Harden can't settle. He shot 13 three-pointers, making two. And most of those attempts would have been unassisted had he made them. He's making life hard on himself. And it doesn't seem like that game plan, especially without Chris Paul, is going to work. And they brought Joe Johnson out for ball handling duty for about five minutes, and he didn't do much. Um, If he had played a little bit longer, you might have seen more from him. But for the most part, they relied on Harden to be the, the guy. And he shot the ball 29 times. 
He got a little bit hot in the fourth quarter, was 7 of 22, ended up 12 of 29, so made five of his last seven shots. But by then, it was too late. Defensively, the Warriors posted a rating of 97.2, according to NBA.com. That's hashtag very good. And offensively, 109.6, pretty good as well. That's a net rating of 12.4, over 100 possessions. The Warriors had 17 turnovers in this game, 16 individual and one team turnover. It's the most turnovers that they've recorded in the series. And the other three times that they recorded 15 or more turnovers, they lost. So this was one of those kind of lucky games where the Warriors were able to shoot themselves out of a bad turnover game. They had 25 assists in game seven. And in the games that they lost, they had 21, 14, and 18. The games that they won, they had 26, 25, 20, and 24. That's another nice little correlation right there. Assisting the ball makes the Warriors better. Who knew? And not turning the ball over makes the Warriors better. Before we move on, I do want to say there were two blocks of jump shots in this game. Kevin Durant had one on Eric Gordon, I believe. Draymond Green had one as well. So that's two shots for anyone who was watching last night. Two drinks. That's the drinking game. You take a shot whenever the Warriors block a jump shot. It's not going to get you drunk, but it'll get you tipsy. Stay tuned for a segment on LeBron and the Celtics. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. Making you old-fashioned today with Wild Turkey Bourbon 101. It just really stands up very well in a classic cocktail like the old-fashioned. It has that perfect boldness. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, America, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Today, every answer matters more than ever before. Because whether it's about health, deliveries, or finance, some things just can't wait. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage millions of calls, texts, and chats with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to help your customers find the answers they need faster, no matter the industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant to learn more. So LeBron had another incredible game, as we can expect from LeBron in the playoffs and these playoffs this year in Game 7. He's had very few bad games. Game 7, 35 points, 15 rebounds, just missed the triple-double with nine assists, just missed the quad-double because he turned the ball over eight times. And I'm going to take a look in the next few days at how the Warriors can get LeBron to turn the ball over as he's been doing a ton in these playoffs. He played all 48 minutes, recovering four loose balls and contesting 15 shots to boot. Tristan Thompson had 15 box outs and 11 contested shots. Good game for him, especially without Kevin Love in the lineup. You look for Tristan Thompson to be more assertive especially defensively, but also on the offensive end. And he had a good game, was perfect from the field. 10 points, 2 of 3 from the free throw line, and 9 big rebounds. But for the most part, this was an ugly game. The Cavaliers managing to shoot 9 of 35 from 3, that's 26%, and 18% 
for the Boston Celtics, 7 of 39. Uh, 29 of 85 from the field, that's 34%. And the Cavaliers managed to shoot a respectable 45.5. Somehow the Celtics put up 19 more shots than the Cavaliers and still couldn't manage to get in the game in the fourth quarter. The Cavaliers won the last three quarters after going down 26-18 in the first. I want to take a look at the third where the Cavaliers only scored 20 points, but they held Boston to 13. In that quarter, the Celtics shot 5 of 20 and posted a bagel from three-point land, 0 of 7. They grabbed more rebounds, giving themselves second shot opportunities, a couple of them actually, and only three turnovers in this quarter. Only five turnovers for the game for the Boston Celtics, and yet they were outscored. Jason Tatum played 10 and a half minutes in this quarter, only put up two shots. He made both of them. You got to see this guy be more aggressive, a la Jalen Brown and Terry Rozier, who put up five and seven shots respectively, but could only make one apiece. Al Horford, 0 of 2 in this quarter in eight minutes and 45 seconds. Marcus Smart, 1 of 4. He, went, he managed to shoot four times in just three minutes and 22 seconds in this quarter. You got to love his moxie. But Al Horford got to do better as far as being aggressive. And I've talked about this in the past. They need Al Horford to be a scorer in addition to doing everything else he does. And he didn't even do most of what else he does. He had one rebound in the quarter. Didn't do anything else. He was a minus nine. That's a little bit of shrinkage on the biggest stage. Well, the second biggest stage. We go into the finals, baby. The Cavs, to their detriment, only shot 6 of 17 and 4 of 12 from 3 in this quarter, the fourth. And it didn't matter because they still outscored the Celtics by 7 points, which is basically the difference in the game. It's an 8-point difference. I'm surprised they relied so much on the 3-pointer in the fourth quarter, but LeBron did make two of his four attempts, only took six shots, in the fourth, he only needed to take 24 shots in the game. Only needed 24 shots. Uh, but he made 12 of 24. A somewhat respectable 3 of 8 from 3. And he had help. Four Cavs in double figures, led by LeBron, but followed by Jeff Green, who had a great game, starting in place of Kevin Love. 7 of 14 from the field, only 2 of 9 from 3, but he did grab 8 rebounds. And then, of course, Draymond, uh, sorry, J.R. Smith, who was a... Plus 14 with 12 points on the night, 3 of 8 from 3. He took all of his shots from 3, but did grab 4 rebounds, had a steal and a block. That's about all the help that LeBron would get, though, and he only scored, they only scored the Cavs 87 points, which for a team that clearly values offense just a little bit more than defense is somewhat surprising. But as I said earlier, Game 7s, get bogged down. They really do. Both teams want to win so badly and they tend not to have the same level of shooting that, you know, a game one would have. It's a lot more pressure. It's a lot more lockdown defense and it's a lot more gritty. Considering how gritty the playoffs already are compared to the regular season, it's definitely no surprise that the Cavs nor the Celtics broke 90 points. And in the Warriors' case, could only muster 101, but first to 100, that rule most of the time applies for the Warriors. And uh, they made it with 101 points at the final buzzer. I'm surprised that Kyle Korver, who only shot one of six from three and was a minus five on the night, and I'm surprised that Larry Nance didn't play more minutes. Honestly, eight minutes, uh, two shots. 
He's been such a firecracker. Uh, he did get into some foul trouble, but seven minutes and 51 seconds, I'm just uh, a little baffled at why he, as an energy guy, didn't play about 15 minutes. Uh, Jordan Clarkson, with some bad minutes, he was worse on the team, a minus 13. It's going to be interesting to see who they decide to bring in for the finals. As I've said, Rodney Hood deserves some PT. I really think he does. Uh, he's got to be unhappy, even if he does win a ring, that he wasn't a part of this uh, journey for the most part, played very, very few minutes so far in the playoffs. That's about as much time as I have for today. Tune in tomorrow, and thanks for listening. Stay thoughtful, Hoops Heads. San Jose Sharks hockey is back, and we've got you covered five days a week at Locked On Sharks. I'm Kyle Demetrius. I'm J.D. Young. I'm Eric Fowle. And together, we make sure you're never without your Sharks programming. Will the Sharks make a trade for a right winger? We got you covered. Will Eric Carlson's groin hold up for the entire season? We've got you covered. Whatever happens with Team Teal every day, we've got you covered at Locked On Sharks five days a week on the Locked On Podcast Network. This is Josh Lloyd, the host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast, the number one fantasy basketball podcast in the world. If you're looking for information regarding fantasy basketball, recaps of the NBA, this is the show for you. We are heading into the offseason and starting to get ready for the 2020-2021 fantasy season. We'll have all the information on what happens through the rest of the playoffs, free agency, the NBA draft, and then heading into a big 2021 season. So make sure you're checking out the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast.